The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code ROSS. That's code ROSS for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21-plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. It's the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. <laughs> yeah, it is. But it's not just any Ross Tucker Football Podcast. It's a Wisdom Wednesday presented, of course, by DraftKings. We're getting the wisdom today from Ed McCaffrey. Awesome, long-time NFL career. Then he got into, obviously, media. Now he's a Division I head coach, which is the primary impetus for me getting him on the show. Also so happens that the trade deadline is November 1st, but the trade went down ahead of time. I actually spoke with Ed last week right before his son Christian got traded, so you'll get to hear what he and they were thinking right before the trade went down. Doesn't happen to us very often. We don't pre-record hardly ever, but sometimes during the season, things happen. We got to do it. So you'll hear from Ed McCaffrey momentarily. Wednesday means Even Money Podcast is already posted. Awesome. College Draft Podcast already posted. We'll do part one of the Fantasy Feast today. You'll be able to access part two of the Fantasy Feast tomorrow. And we're already two days away from a Spread the Word winner. Just like any of our posts on Instagram. It's that simple. Like a post on Instagram, at Ross Tucker Pod, and you can be the Spread the Word winner. Think about how easy that is. You literally just like at Ross Tucker Pod on IG. Sponsor confirmation, so many cool sponsors. Masterworks, Uncommon Goods, Symbol, Athletic Greens, amazing. And then the YouTube shout-out, which, as you guys know, I really enjoy doing those for you, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Patron of the day, I think I just got an email from this guy, Robert Frustuck. Frustruck. I think he's his, it's like Bobby Breakfast or something. Did I get that right? Bobby Breakfast, Robert Frustruck. He's the latest patron, patreon.com slash RT Media. Got a couple more yesterday. Still racking them up as people want to see the even money bets in black and white. Or maybe you just want to be a part of our awesome community on our private Slack channel, patreon.com slash RT Media. It's Big Show time. The Big Show. As promised, I am now joined by a good friend of mine. We used to work together all the time. We did a show together on satellite radio, which was amazing. Thoroughly enjoyed it. 
every week. He's Ed McCaffrey, former Pro Bowl wide receiver, a two-time Super Bowl champ. He's the head coach at Northern Colorado. I think you're familiar with some of his children. You got a lot of the, Ed, you got a lot of things I could list to start the interview here. Yeah, well, first off, thanks for having me on the show, Ross, and I miss working with you. We had a whole lot of fun, but, man, you're crushing it, doing a wonderful job. Enjoy listening to you and honored to be on your show. Uh, yeah, you know you know the, the football world and the football life, and it just seems to be what our family has chosen to do. Wouldn't have known that, you know, 40 years ago. And meet Lisa, marry her, have four boys, no daughters, um, and they'd all play football. What are the odds of it? And um, and so, yeah, we have games every week. And now my oldest son is a coach with me here at Northern Colorado. And uh, Christian's playing in the NFL, still have two playing in college. So our weekends are pretty exciting. That's amazing. That's actually one of the things I wanted to get to with you. But I'm going to save that for a little bit later. Because the reason I've been wanting to get you on the last couple of weeks, I feel like you're the perfect person to ask about this you know Nathaniel Hackett the new head coach for the Denver Broncos who you obviously live in the Denver area you know you've uh, spent a lot of time with that organization he's really struggled especially early in the year with some game management clock management stuff I think it's gotten a little bit better the last couple of games maybe since he's hired Jerry Rosberg but I guess I just wanted to know it's so easy for me or other former players or broadcasters to be like, what is he doing? How does he not know to do that? Blah, blah, blah. You, you've actually done it, right? Like you're the head coach of a Division One program. You're building that thing back up there at Northern Colorado. So I guess I just wanted to start with that. Like how hard is that part of it, the game management, clock management part of it? Yeah, so we could talk for a year on just coaching alone and all the different aspects and what it takes to coach at different levels, by the way, because each level is different. But in terms of game management, um, you know, you'll have your charts before the game that help you make your decision in crunch time when you're going to go for it on fourth down. You have your clock chart for, you know, if you're trying to run out the clock at the end of the game or stop the clock if you're behind um, two-point conversion chart. So m- most coaches have that already on their call sheet. So they're, they're ready to make a decision based off the data analytics at any time. But at some point, it is a gut decision. So for instance, in college, um, you know, field goals aren't guaranteed in college. <laughs> you have a snap, you have a hold, you have a kick, you have your protection. So it's not even all on the kicker. It's on your ability to make a field goal based on the hash mark, the down and distance, and your opponent. Um, And sometimes, you know, you have what you call the dead zone, uh, which is a lot of times in the NFL, 33 to 43. It's it's further than that now if you have a really good kicker. But an area where if you punt it, it's probably going into the end zone and you're only gaining, you know, 15, 20 yards of field position, or you might not be able to make a field goal from there in college, right? So you're like, we can't make a field goal. We've made one out of 10 in practice. And if we punt it and it goes in the end zone, we're not gaining a lot of ground. So we might as well go for it on fourth down. But everyone's kicker is different, right? You might have a better kicker. So now you decide to kick it. Uh, Like McManus in the Broncos game earlier in the season, I've seen him make field goals over 70 yards. So you're like, he has the leg to make that, but we're on the fringe. It's fourth and five. Do we try to kick and win, or do we put it in the hands of our quarterback, Russell Wilson? In that particular decision, I felt for him. 
because he's like, I know we've made this field goal in practice. We could win the game. Or do we try to convert and get the first down? So if you make the field goal, Ross, you're a hero. If you miss the field goal, why didn't you let your quarterback try to move the chains to get you in better field position on fourth and five? Now, you can't prove they would have converted fourth and five, right? We don't know. We never tried it. So that's the that's the uh, the challenge for coaches. You got to make a decision. If it works, you're a genius. If it doesn't work, you're not. Now, there's there's other more obvious decisions that maybe everybody knows don't follow data analytics. And if you do them, you're really taking a chance. Um, you know, if you fake a punter field goal or if you go for it on fourth and 12 in a situation where it's highly unlikely you're going to convert or with the clock, a lot of people understand clock management. So coaches will get criticized for that if they don't do it properly. And, and you know, that crit criticism is warranted if you if you really do botch a decision. But usually, Ross, all that information is on a sheet so that you don't have to go with your gut as much as possible, knowing that there's going to be a couple situations throughout a season where it really is a gut decision and you hope you make the right one. Yeah, I'm glad you said that because I've talked that, you know, I do a college game every week and I talk to the college coaches about it. And I had one say to me recently, he just always goes with the analytics because, you know, why does he think, you know, he's smarter than the analytics for this one time, but not the other five times, you know, he, he's like, I, he does, he, that doesn't make sense to him to have all the probabilities and follow it most of the time. But then every once in a while, think that he's better than the probabilities. Yeah. Well, here's an example of where that may come into play. So first off, not all data uh, analysts agree on the data. Um, and it depends on your sample size and what level, like if you're doing data analytics in the NFL, that might be different than data analytics in college. Uh, there's different rules in college. There's different um, levels of competition. Um, the, the odds of making field goals is different. Your punter's different. Uh, so, so here's an example. I'll put it on you, Ross. What if the data analytics say to, uh, uh, to kick the extra point if you are behind by 13, right? Well, not everyone agrees on that. That's a really weird number. That's why I brought it up. Being down by 13 is a weird number because if you go for two and make it, you're down by 11. But most data analytics suggest to just kick the PAT and take your chances of scoring two more times. It's a really tough decision for coaches down 13, in my opinion. So now you're talking about the clock. Well, you know, let's go for two down 13 if there's under four minutes left in the game. But what if there's six minutes left in the game? Now it's now now you're in a really fuzzy area. Do I go for two or not go for two? Um, and so that's difficult. But how about this? Your offense has scored five times in a row and you're moving the ball at will. Right. So now do you go for two? You're moving the ball like crazy. You're scoring every time you get the ball. Well, we're playing really well right now. We're scoring. We've scored the last five possessions like we're killing this team. So now you might be more apt to go for two. What if they stopped you three and out and you could barely get to the red zone and you finally scored after two quarters? And now you're like, we barely got down here. It's been tough all day. This team's pretty stout in the red zone. And we finally scored. Do we go for two or do we just say, hey, let's just kick the PAT um, now and hope we score again. And maybe depending on the time, you get an onside kick. So it's not as easy as you think. Um, there's a lot of very difficult situations where – you kind of have to go with your gut, and it's based on how your offense or defense is playing at the time. The other thing I've heard, which I think is interesting, because there are some guys, I've had them on the show, 
that have done data analytics for teams. And so they'll tweet sometimes like, well, the model says you should do this or that you should do that. But then I talk to guys on other teams, Ed, that they say, yeah, our, our models are different. Like, yeah. you know, they, they don't like when certain guys tweet, well, they should do this because they're like, no, no, no. We, we've done the work. We have our own data and our own models and our own sample size, and we follow that. It's not like there's only one analytic. People say analytics, but not everybody has the same, uh, the, the exact same models. Well, you probably learned that at Princeton when you took your statistics class. The first thing you look at is your source. Who did this data analytics? What's the sample size, right? And so, and, and so a lot of times the sample size isn't even big enough. Oh, we looked at 60 teams over the course of two years. Well, someone else might have looked at 1,000 teams over 10 years. And now you're thinking, well, the game was different back then. They didn't even have the same rules. Same. And so one, one of the big decisions is whether to go kick a field goal or not, right? That's a really big decision. So when you're looking at data analytics, three of the big areas of data analytics are when to kick a field goal, when to go for it on fourth down, when to go for a two-point conversion. And if you want to throw the fourth in, it's clock management. And there, there's you can't go back and prove in a lot of those situations, you can't go back and prove that you would have been right if you made a different decision. you got to make your decision. Um, so, for instance, kicking a field goal instead of going for it on fourth and five, there's no guarantee you convert fourth and five. The data analytics suggest you might only convert you know, 25% of your fourth and fives. Or go fourth and six, because that's a harder down in distance. So fourth and six, right, what are the odds of converting fourth and six? Not very good. And so, you know, if you're in field goal range, do you go for fourth and six or do you kick the field goal? It's really it's really tough. And maybe maybe the data analytics suggests you have a – I'm just making up numbers now. I don't have my chart in front of me. But like a 25% chance of converting fourth and six. Yet you have a – based on your field goal kicker – a a 48% chance of kicking the field goal. Well, now you're like, well, I have a little bit better chance of making a field goal than converting, but if I convert, I could still score a touchdown, which is seven points instead of three. So now now you're looking at the value of a possession versus the value of four extra points if you convert, even though you have a less less chance of converting than kicking a field goal. So people like to make it easy, Ross. I think what the data analytics do for coaches is they make them feel more confident in their decision. Because can you imagine in, in a split second trying to look at, well, 48% here, 46% there, our kicker looked good in practice. By the way, a lot of it's based on how your kicker or your team looked in practice. How have we been playing in the game? You're trying to weigh all this stuff. So what it does for coaches is say, look, I have my chart. I'm not deviating from the chart. I'm going to trust these data analytics. I trust the people that did the data analytics. It's a large sample size. It's at our level. And I've evaluated my team based on my kicker or or how our offense is playing during practice and during the week, who my opponent is. And I'm going to stick with this chart in the game. I'm not deviating. And it makes it easier for coaches. But I'm telling you, even with the chart, there are certain situations where you have to make a gut decision as a head coach. And those are the decisions when you're right. I mean, Belichick's the perfect example. He goes for it on fourth down a lot. There's been games where he went for it and won, games where he went for it and they didn't win. And then he gets criticized, right? So I think you just have to have your chart, believe in it, be really prepared before the game, understand your team, know your team, because every team is different. So the the decision's different based on your team and how you're playing that day. So you, you try not to deviate too far from your chart, but there are there are times where you, you have to make a gut decision. You mentioned um, your kids, Ed, and obviously Christian's in the NFL and you've got one working for you as a coach, and you got a couple still playing. That was the one thing that um, 
I was interested in when you took the Northern Colorado job is I knew that it would uh, prevent you slash hurt your ability to see your boys play um, at times. How much of a factor was that? That had to be a consideration because I know you used to be all over the place to try to watch, you know, watch, watch your kids play. Yeah, well, I, I talked to Lisa, my wife, who we were talking about over the break, who hopefully you will have on the show. Thanks for offering. She does a, a Your Mom podcast with Ashley Adamson, um, who works for the Pac-12 Network as well. And she talks about that a lot, talks about the kids and the challenge when you have multiple kids of being there for them uh, physically. And, you know, our life just happens to revolve around football, but all parents understand if you have multiple kids, it's hard to be there for all of them all the time, especially if they're all doing the same thing. So all of our kids play football. We've had that problem our whole lives going back to Little League. I remember the, the game that Christian fell in love with football, where he knew that's what he wanted to do the rest of the life, his life, was a championship game in Little League when he was seven years old. And my son, Max, who's now coaching with me at Northern Colorado, was playing uh, in a game, luckily, at the same high school on the upper field. So I was on the upper field coaching and watching Max while Lisa was on the lower field uh, watching Christian. And so we're trying to get updates during the game of how the other game is going, even though I'm coaching on the upper field. Um, But we couldn't physically watch every play of every game. And that's going back to when they were seven. Now the other two boys got older and now there's four games. So there was always uh, four games going on, gosh, for, tw- you know, what, 15 years now at least, <laughs> every weekend. And uh, for a while there, it wasn't as bad when it was high school. We got lucky to have played on the same high school team multiple times. So it was high school, then college, then the pros. And it's been that way for maybe uh, eight or nine years because Max played four years in the league. And then Christian is a couple years younger, has been playing And so then it became, you know, which pro game do you go to or which college game do you go to? And uh, because they play on the same day in different cities. That's even right now, you know, our youngest son, Luke, plays at Rice. And Lisa has to make the decision, do we stay here and watch the Northern Colorado game or go to watch Luke at Rice? The tendency is to go support your son who doesn't have the other family members there. So she'll want to go out and support him as much as possible. You know, this week she has a 5.30 a.m. flight on Sunday morning to get out to watch the Panthers game after watching the Northern Colorado game. So long story short, for me to make the decision was tough, but but I've never been able to watch all of my sons play at the same time. That's never been a reality. We have some good friends, uh, the Stoles, whose son Jack plays for the Eagles, plays tight end for the Eagles. And they go to every one of his games, home and away. I'm like, I wish wish we could do that, you know, be parents that could go to every single one of our kids' games. But we have four, and they all play. And a lot of the games are on the same day, so it's just it's not our world. We've always spent a ton of money on airfare. That's our number one expense uh, now that the kids are out of the house because food used to be feeding those guys. But, um, But you know what, Ross? When I talked to Lisa and when I talked to my boys about taking the job, they were happier than anyone on the planet for me because they knew I loved coaching and they knew that I loved football. And that made the decision pretty easy. And at the time, I had no idea that Max was going to want to leave. He was playing for the XFL at the time, getting ready to try out for another NFL team. I had no idea he was going to call me up and say, hey, look, I'd love to get into coaching. And I had no idea my son Dylan 
would decide uh, to, to come play for us at the time as well. So I don't know how it worked out that way, but I have two of my sons here at Northern Colorado. One is a coach, one is a player. And that's been a real blessing. No matter what happens in life, like the years I got to spend with these guys uh, as a coach and a fellow coach and a player has really just been unbelievable. Um, I don't. I know a lot of coaches have get to coach their sons or, or have sons on the staff uh, more than you would think. And uh, some some can't do it. They can't separate coach from father, from son. Um, but the ones that can do it, um, everyone I've talked to that's done it and it, that it works for says it's one of the greatest experiences of their life. And I would I would share that sentiment. I don't think there's very many Ed, that have uh, been a head coach, had one son who's an assistant and another son who's a player. I can't, I can't think of that very many. That's truly unique. You know, you mentioned Christian. I got to ask you, it's kind of a wild year for him, right? His head coach gets fired during the season, and now every day, you know, there's trade rumors surrounding him. What's that like? I mean, obviously, you know, you have a lot of experience. You're around the NFL for a while. Uh, do you talk to him about it a lot? Is he is he stressed about it? Is he pretty chill? And whatever happens, happens because that's a that's unique, right? He's been a star player. He's gotten the contract. He's been in Carolina his whole career. And now there's a lot of potential change, which you and I know is a big part of the NFL. Yeah, I think it helped him growing up in that world. You know, he was young when I played, but he remembers being in the locker room and hanging around the guys. Um, you know, he'd bring his Power Rangers in and they'd hang out in the locker room after games. And he, he knows very well my career. I played for three different teams. I know you played for multiple teams. And when they were young, and by the way, in Little League, you play for different teams, football, basketball, baseball, lacrosse, track. And then, uh, you know, growing up, you might play for different teams. And so it's not like you've never played for different teams before. Um, but when he got to the NFL, you know, I said, hey, look, regardless of what happens, this is before he got drafted, didn't know where he was going to play. I'm like, don't be as concerned about where you go in the draft. Be more concerned with, you know, what team you go to. You want, want it to be a good fit in a good organization. And, uh, and also think of it like you're playing for the NFL. And I don't think enough young players think that, but you're playing for the NFL. And one of the teams in the NFL, hopefully you make one of the teams, that's who you're playing for. And then throughout your career, you may play for three or four teams. Who knows? I mean, that was my experience. I know you experienced playing for different teams. Um, but his situation in Carolina is unique in that he absolutely loves it there. He loves Charlotte. He loves Carolina. He loves the Panthers fans. He's done really well there. Um, he's been through an ownership change. He's been through coaching changes. You know, the, the whole roster has, has really rotated out uh, from the time he got there. But uh, he likes it there. He's playing really well. I think he had 158 yards from scrimmage the other day, rushing and receiving. And uh, and so he's got a good thing going. So I asked him about it the other day, and he's like, look, I love football. You know, I love the Panthers. I love playing. Um, if I get traded, I get traded. If I don't, I just love ball. So he just appro pro approaches it like, hey, I got another game to play with my teammates. I'll be ready to go. You know, but I, I know him. Like if something happened, he'd be in the next locker room saying, hey, fellas, let's go. Like, let's go play ball. And so he has a really good head on his shoulders when it, when, it, when it comes to that. And I think, you know, growing up around it probably helped him understand the business part of this game. Ed, can't thank you enough for the time. This is what a cool, unique football life that you guys have 
Um, I'll actually be out there. I don't know if I can catch your game, but I think November 12th, I'm doing a game at Air Force. I don't know if you have a night game or I got, I got to check the schedule. Maybe I can catch your game before I fly back to, uh, to Pennsylvania. I know the last time I was out there, you're like, hey, you want to go out to dinner? I said, sure. Next thing I knew, we were with Mike Shanahan at Shanahan's. <laughs> yeah, well, people might not know, but we, you know, we talk a lot off air, and I really value your opinion and your insight. And, you know, you've been through some of this with me in terms of making decisions on what to do and with our boys. So appreciate you, Ross, and thank you for having me on the show. Absolutely. Thank you so much. You know, uh, love talking with Ed. I thought he made a lot of sense as it relates to analytics and using them and all the different things you need to consider. And speaking of things that make sense, how about masterworks? How about the ability to invest in things that have actually gained value the last time inflation caused this much damage? I know everybody listening is smart. You've all heard about diversifying your portfolio, diversifying your portfolio. Well, S&P's down a lot. Mortgage rates going up through the roof. Bloomberg says 100% chance of a recession next year. Why don't you invest in one of the things that actually gains value when there's inflation? Even as recently as October, Masterworks produced results selling a painting for a 21.5% net return to their investors. In fact, six of their seven exits so far have given investors more than 20% net returns. Think about that. You put in 10K, you get over 12K out. Simple. Learn how to get up to $200 of free shares from Masterworks when you sign up with our special code, Ross. That's masterworks.com. Promo code ROSS for up to $200 at Masterworks. See important regulation A disclosures at masterworks.com slash CD. Tux Takes. Tux Takes are presented by Labatt Blue Light. You see those bottles behind me? There's cans, whatever, you know what I'm saying. The pristine Canadian Pilsner. Share a Labatt with friends. This football season. All right, Ross, we'll start today with uh, the NFL saying that those referees did not get uh, Bucks wide receiver Mike Evans' autograph after the Panthers game this past Sunday. No, it's funny because all the NFL officially announced is that they confirmed that the official was not getting Mike Evans' autograph. Then Tom Pelissero, who works for the NFL, so somebody told him this, said that Evidently, the ref went to Texas A&M like Mike Evans did. They were talking about golf at some point, somehow. And he told Mike he would connect him with his golf pro so that Mike Evans could get a lesson. Not as bad as getting an autograph, something of value, but still not a really good look, right, for the NFL? Yes, players and refs talk sometimes. But a ref getting a phone number of a player so that they can connect them with a friend. It's just not a good look, right? What happens if it's a judgment call? You know, what happens if it's a close call? Whether it's conscious or subconscious, he might give Mike Evans. Now, look, that might have been the case anyway since they're both alums from Texas A&M that we find out now. 
but it's even more pronounced if they have some type of relationship or some type of favor, even if it's the ref doing Mike Evans a favor as opposed to the other way around. It's not ultimately not a good look for the NFL. They shouldn't be doing it, and they sure as heck should make sure it doesn't happen on video. But even now, I'm pretty confident those guys will be reminded you can't be you know, socializing with NFL players like this. Takes. On to some transactions. The Jets trade a sixth-round pick that could upgrade to a fifth. In return, they get Jaguars running back James Robinson. Also, Raiders trade D-tackle Jonathan Hankins and a seventh-round pick to the Cowboys for a sixth. So, yeah, I mean, the, the Cowboys, I guess, felt like they needed another run stuffer. Need some D-tackle depth. All they did was swap picks next year. You know, the Raiders upgrade their pick from a seventh to a sixth. It's not a big deal to the Cowboys. Raiders probably didn't feel like they needed Hankins, weren't really using them. If we can move up around, why not? Very curious to see how James Robinson looks for the Jets. With Brees Hall out, clearly they needed another running back. They felt like they'll pair Robinson with Michael Carter. It's funny because I saw a YouTube post, youtube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL, presumably a Jets fan, saying, oh, yeah, I'm surprised you dropped the Jets. You're concerned about the Jets in your rankings. You probably didn't hear. They traded for James Robinson. James Robinson is not the same player as Brees Hall. Not even close. Especially not in terms of a guy – that's a home run hitter. I still think James Robinson can do some positive things. I don't really know that the Jaguars obviously didn't feel that way because they're not giving him um, the ball very much, and he's expendable. They were willing to move on from him for not a whole lot from the Jets. Takes. Frank Clark, defensive end from the Chiefs, suspended two games under the personal conduct policy. Well, he had not one, Bri, but two. Two separate incidents where he had some type of gun charges. And so that's what he ultimately, I don't know, pled guilty to or did something at a lower level. Something like that, right? Um, but it was settled in September. One way or the other, the case was closed in September. I forget the exact you know, way it ended. And I don't really care. I really don't. Like, I, I don't care to, well, this is the official term. No. He got caught twice doing something he shouldn't have done. He ultimately pled guilty to something. And now he suspended two games under the personal conduct policy. Not the first time that Frank Clark has had issues with the law. He was a character concern coming out of uh, coming out of Michigan when he came out of Michigan. It's interesting, by the way, Brian. I don't know if you saw my tweet last night at Ross Tucker NFL, but it's literally cheaper to fly to Houston to watch the Phillies in the World Series than it is to go to Citizens Bank Park, which is the Phillies' home stadium. I was looking at this. At the Phillies' home stadium right now, or no, 
at game one in Houston on the game time app, you can get in for $569 right now. General admission, standing room only, but you can get in the building for $569. Phillies at Astros game one. On a flight costs like, I don't know, $320. You can get there for $320, $400 at the most. Meanwhile, Astros at Phillies, like game four, it's $1,100. So almost $600 more on the game time app. And a flight is $300, $400. So pretty wild uh, that it's cheaper to go watch the Phillies play in the World Series in Houston. Thankfully, I got the game time app and I can quick click back and forth between the cities to see exactly what the lowest ticket price is in both cities and check out the view from where the seat would be in less than 30 seconds. Download the game time app like I obviously have. Create an account and redeem code Ross for $20 off your first purchase. Again, that's Ross for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Download game time. Last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. Ducks takes. Dallas Cowboys lose cornerback Jordan Lewis for the season. Giants tight end Daniel Bellinger has eye socket surgery. Browns Jacob Phillips, a torn peck, and the Broncos signed running back Marlon Mack off the practice squad in San Francisco. And he signed like Sunday night because the Broncos left, I think, on Monday for London, and he wanted to be on the plane. He wanted to go. So, and I think Marlon Mack especially, because I saw the Niners cut Tevin Coleman as well. I wonder if they're putting him back down the practice squad instead of Marlon Mack. But... Marlon Mack's like, wait a minute, you guys just got Christian McCaffrey and I got a team like the Broncos that actually want me on the active roster. Peace. I'm out of here. In terms of those injuries, Jordan Lewis, gone. For, that's a big injury for the Cowboys. He's a pretty good nickel corner. Nickel corner is a really important position in the NFL. Jordan Lewis is pretty good at it. So that's a tough loss for the Cowboys and Jordan Lewis. He's made a bunch of plays for them. The Daniel Bellinger eye thing is is scary. You know, there have been guys that have had, you know, issues with their eyesight forever because of injuries on the football field. Eye socket surgery. I don't know how he got hit hard enough that he in the eye that he fractured his eye socket. I mean, that is it's a strong bone. I you know, I'm feeling it right now. For those of you watching on YouTube, that's a strong bone to fracture that like that is uh is scary really scary and for the browns it just keeps getting worse jacob phillips was their leading tackler against the ravens now he's done for the year with a torn peck it's a good thing for them that they recently traded for Deion jones to make sure that you know they've got a guy ready to go and can replace Jacob Phillips alongside JOK, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. It's a good thing for all of us that before I get to one of your outstanding email questions, you can get Sling as the most valuable option when it comes to finding your favorite channels with the best deal for sports, news, and entertainment. Some of these prices are getting outrageous, so that's where Sling comes in. Some of these TV prices now streaming everything you can watch every touchdown live every sunday afternoon with nfl red zone on sling limited time get sling blue 
and add on Sports Extra with NFL Red Zone for half off your first month. Regular price, 46 now only 23 Think about that. You get the best deal on Red Zone, so you can catch all the touchdowns at the lowest price with Sling TV. Visit sling.com slash DraftKings to sign up today. Email, Brian. Ever wanted to ask an NFL player a question? Well, here's your chance. It's time to ask Ross. Email address is ross at rostucker.com. Absolutely love, 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 love getting your emails. Especially, listen, if you take advantage of a sponsor, I guarantee that you go to the top of the line and I read and respond to it on the show. Guarantee it. Can't guarantee that if you just email me normally. So be like Jim Hines, take advantage of a sponsor, and you go right to the front of the line, and I'll answer your question. Again, it's always Ross at RossTucker.com. You need me for anything. You want to advertise on the show? I'm doing a speaking gig tomorrow. They emailed me, Ross at RossTucker.com. That's where you hit me up. All right. Well, three quick questions from Jim Hines. Uh, First, Ross, what are the worst things that professional coaches do to turn off the players from buying into a program. Question number two, how do the coaches figure out which of the players are going to fit into that locker room or not? And number three, are the players sick of the Belichick way or system of coaching? Have you had specific conversations with players about their attitudes towards playing for the Patriots? Good questions, Jim. Um, The two worst things a coach can do is to lie to players whether it's individually or as a group, that spreads like wildfire and very tough for a coach to come back from that. They're grown men. They understand it's a business. Just tell them the truth. But people in life, it doesn't come naturally to tell people bad news. So they're afraid to do it. Whereas in most of the time, that's the best solution. Just telling someone the truth as you see it, it's how you deliver the truth that makes the difference. And it usually if you tell someone the truth the right way, they'll handle it okay. And they'll respect that you did it that way. Um, I don't know how coaches figure out which players are going to fit in the locker room. What they try to do is talk to people that know the person, whether it's college coaches secretary at the college, whatever, right? Um, Anybody they can get their hands on. Or if it's an NFL player, they'll talk to former college teammates, former NFL teammates, people in the other organization. What kind of guy is he? You know, is he a positive leader, negative leader? You know, do the the guys rally around him? What kind of worker is he? They want to know those things. And I do think, Jim, that – the younger, the younger the people come into the league, I think the less impact Belichick's way of coaching has on them. He is almost exclusively, at least when I was there, and I don't know that it's changed, negative reinforcement. And I just don't think that that goes over very well with young players. And I certainly don't think uh, what he's created here at quarterback is real good for the Patriots going forward. Fascinated to see how that plays out. Love telling you guys about myfrontpagestory.com. Please 
take advantage of that for the holidays. The other shout-outs, backoffischeduler.com, Vision Comics with an X, Evan, Evergreen Economics, go-bangles.com, steakhousesports.com, humanheadnyc.com, Sporticulture, and Pizza Boy Brewing. Big fantasy feast today. Let's, let's make sure we're dominating our fantasy leagues. I want all of our listeners to be fantasy champions. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Fantasy Feasts, Even Money, Business of Sports, and College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.